Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. And as always, thank you for listening and listening fully to our episodes before you make snap judgments. And we'll get into why that's an important comment here in just a little <laughs> bit. But we really do appreciate you. And if you would do us a favor wherever you listen to our show, if you wouldn't mind stopping by, leaving a rating and a review, subscribing, that definitely helps us out, helps our visibility, and we thank you for that. But today's episode really stemmed from kind of a snippet of conversation from last week's episode with Ernesto Segismundo, where we were talking about the haters that come along with success in any field, really, but in a community of therapists where we would really expect a lot of support and a lot of encouragement, that it's kind of unfortunate that we are seeing and in, in a variety of different people's businesses and, and entrepreneurships of the backlash that our, our communities are really creating. And Katie and I were talking about this off air. We thought that this would be a really good episode of, we kind of looked at getting haters as kind of this benchmark of you're onto something, but why? Yeah, I think the reason I felt kind of compelled to have this conversation with our audience is because it feels like at a certain point, if any therapist steps out and says something different or is big, there's this backlash that comes. And it it's something where I've been trying to categorize it. Like, is it is the therapist being dehumanized? Do people feel like this therapist needs to be taken down or they're protecting the public by correcting this therapist? Are people uncomfortable with innovation and uncomfortable with just any therapist being larger than life or whatever? I think it's something where at any point when therapists say something a bit controversial, it's hard to know, but it, they're, like predictably, there are these comments that are in the best case, you know, very supportive, but there's, but in the best, I guess, neutral or negative case, it could be somebody saying, oh, I don't agree and kind of starting a discourse. In the worst case, it could be shame on you <laughs> and, and really kind of dragging into this very negative, almost like troll-like vibe where you're really getting this, this feedback that that's, I don't see it as helpful. But people continue to do it, and therapists who are supposed to be experts in communication are doing it. So so I guess I just wanted to kind of discuss that because it's, it's something that just is really surprising to me. And this is 
One of the things that I love about the English language is when we adopt words from foreign languages. And the, <laughs> the Germans are so efficient sometimes, and what I'm speaking to is schadenfreude. And, you know, the pleasure in somebody else's misfortune. But this really does seem to be a driving aspect of a lot of these behaviors that I think it brings out in seeing other people being successful. It, it, things that we can do in this space. That there's so many different things, opportunities, jobs, different directions that we can go as therapists that the, the sky's the limit. But when we see other people succeeding at things that we think that we can do, it definitely drives our, our imposter syndrome out. And it sure. makes us really feel insecure about what we're actually accomplishing. And rather than necessarily putting in the hard work and developing our own self-confidence and standing strong, that it's easier to really kind of take down the competition or somebody else who's filling that space to knock them down a notch because they're doing something a little bit differently or they did it first. And I think that that's really unhealthy because yeah. it's, it's so against what we are supposed to be working with our clients on, which is <laughs> building our ourselves and our practice and our ideals on what we are doing ourselves and not putting ourselves into comparison to other people. I think it's so hard not to compare online. And I think that there are definitely folks that probably feel the jealousy or they feel the imposter syndrome and that stuff. And I agree. I think there are, are moments when that shows up in a pretty nasty way of people taking somebody else down. And it can be in that kind of troll-like in front of everyone way, or it can be behind the scenes. I think Ernesto last week talked about comments and private messages and that kind of stuff. I think it's better to get it in private message than in the public arena, but it can still be hard when you're getting those emails and, and private messages. But I think it's also something where there are people that are very, have a very hard time with change. And so I guess this is in, in some way a hashtag modern therapist problem, but when somebody does something that's different or innovative, that really pushes against what has been established, I think there can be folks who can be very well-meaning that say, you can't do it. That's wrong. That's unethical. Like they, they can push back on it and really feel this need to correct that may not come from jealousy or maybe not completely from jealousy, but from this place of, I don't understand you. And so you must be wrong. I have two different, probably complementary theories about that specific point. One is the way that we train therapists is therapists go to graduate school. And it's almost kind of like this military basic training of stripping down everything that you might be or that you might be bringing with you to get to a sense of now you fit the therapist mold. And from there, you can then grow once you're trusted by the profession to not screw people up, to develop your quirks and to develop the, the, the different ideas. But as long as you've fit more or less this cookie cutter sort of idea that you can't bring in weirdness without <laughs> shedding the weirdness before you can grow a new kind of weirdness that's safe. I see what you're saying. <laughs> I think you're going to have to explain that a little bit more. In order to be allowed to be different, you have to show a similarity first, that we all have to come to a central mindset before we can branch out and differ, which leads into my second theory into what your point was, which is that 
the thought leaders and the developers within our field, their identities are based around their entrenched status as the researcher, as the one who's gone down this path, as the, you know, the, the Don Meikenbaum is going to be the CBT guy, the yeah. Carl Rogers is going to be the humanist, that whoever it is that we don't separate out their ideas from, from the person anymore, mm-hmm. nor do they necessarily separate their persona out from their ideas anymore. And when other people are doing things that are even kind of successful or even just kind of different, even without success is that's no longer an attack on the ideas, but it's also an attack on the person themselves because they haven't been separated from their ideas as a human being. Interesting. And I think that speaks a little bit to the dehumanization of individuals and the humanization of ideas. Like this idea now means that if you don't like this idea, you don't like me or you don't like that person. And then on the flip side, I think there's there's this kind of entitlement for folks who have gotten to that level of you are now not a human being, you are a brand or you are a product or you are whatever. And so I think people also feel very entitled to speak out against those folks because I pay for that service or I espouse this this theory or that kind of stuff. It seems like there's this weird relationship with brands where taking them down feels okay. So it's like this weird continuum, I guess, of humanity that we have. And, and obviously, this is broader than just therapists. This is kind of everybody does this, but this weird difficulty in really differentiating what are we talking about when we say, when we talk about a theory? What do we talk about when we talk about a person? It's like the, the dehumanization and the distance, especially when you're online, can create this entitlement to say whatever you want without really thinking about the consequences. One of the ways that this came up for us is. A couple of months ago, we had our episode, Is CBT Crap, come out. And we had a pretty important discussion around what we should title that episode, knowing fully well that a controversial title is going to invite controversy and discussion. And we did that knowingly and and with intention. What I don't think that we really expected is that people wouldn't look at it anything beyond the title and based their reaction solely on just what the title was without actually investing into any of the content of the episode. Now, you know, this spoiler alert, we'll, we'll link to that episode in our show notes. You can find that at mtsgpodcast.com. But spoiler alert for the episode is we kind of came to the conclusion that it really does have a place and it's not the necessary end-all be-all of everything for everybody. And bad therapists are going to do bad at whatever theory it is. And it's (laughs) all the other things that we talked about on the show. But the point is that we are so ready to attack ideas without Mm. actually investing any, anything in it. And it's because we're so entwined into what our ideas are. That's righteous. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. 
The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thrizer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I like that you said righteous, because I think that's where I think a lot of therapists come from in the, the comments that I see that just seem so dramatic or aggressive or whatever, is that it feels like it's coming from this righteous place of I must defend the idea, I must defend the clients or the community, I must correct the therapist who has said this wrong thing. And I think what bothers me again is this lack of humanity and, and the willingness to have discourse and separating the ideas from the people. What I was prepared to talk about on this is that this is coming from a justice-based argument, that yeah. it's not necessarily about the facts or about the systems themselves, but it's about creating justice. And justice doesn't always necessarily play fair in order to achieve it. And this is what all of the history books are filled with. But we are still principled professionals who need to follow ethics codes to a certain level. And so we're left in this, this dissonance of, I need to do something that doesn't follow the rules, but I still need to follow all of these other rules. And I think that that's part of what's driving this behavior is that how much can we break the rules? How much can we bend the rules to get to what we believe is justice while still being professional? And so this leads to, I think, particularly in our field, what is kind of this catty Cathy, this negative back talk that is done in a way that is not towards a constructive means, but is meant to bring things down in a way to discredit rather than building credit up on its own merits. So you're saying that people are actively seeking to take other folks down rather than raising up their own arguments. Correct. I mean, look at look at research into the effectiveness of therapy over the last 20 years and all of the dismantling research that goes into, you know, I'm big in the EMDR world. So there's been so many studies about, you know, is it about how fast the eyes move? Is it about the eyes moving at all? Is it about whether the therapist uses their left hand or their right hand to create the eye? I mean, it, it's breaking things down to these absolute, you know, minimal things. One of our heroes, Scott Miller, has a great article about how a lot of this dismantling research just doesn't actually shine a light on what's actually working because none of this stuff is actually 100% effective. So we're spending more time trying to discredit things that have already been shown to be mostly pretty productive and spending our time building our identities on being the one who's going to find that the smoking gun isn't really smoking. <laughs> That sounded so dramatic. The smoking gun is not smoking. <laughs> I love that. I think it's something where I hadn't thought about it in that way. I think it's it's something where, in truth, that that concept of taking down other people's research isn't one that I'm, you know, necessarily like I'm not 
in the know about that. I'm not reading all the latest research, but it certainly feels true in other arenas. I mean, it's not, hey guys, this is something I've found that that is really helpful. It's, I'm reading your article and I don't like it and this is why it's bad. Yes. And it doesn't seem to add, it doesn't seem to add to the discourse necessarily. I mean, sometimes I think there are some people that are very good at pointing something out and being able to, to put a different perspective and, and expand the conversation. So we're not talking to you guys. Okay, Ben, we're not talking to you. Um, <laughs> but there's this other piece of folks that just say you're wrong, you're bad. And it doesn't add anything. It's a lazy attack. It's the absolute bare minimum to put into an effort. But it's also, if you know anything that I've, I'm recalling about Schadenfreude, whether it's about professionals or not, is that the less engaged that we are in actually taking somebody down but still participating, the more that we can justify as human beings being involved in that. It's whatever your political views might be is that you, you grumble over the kitchen table about the decision that Congress is making. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, the I'm righteous about, you know, disagreeing with them, but I'm not actually doing anything with them versus the far end of the extreme is the, you know, Guy Fox, you know, trying to blow up the British parliament sort of thing. I think that that's a fairly old enough reference that that's not <laughs> inciting anything, but <laughs> Oh, we'll incite stuff with this. Don't worry, Kurt. But my point is that we can. There, there's a certain level that we can justify taking somebody down at the absolute minimal level of participation. And that's where the enjoyment comes in is I can just throw this little barb out there. I can tweet at this company to, you know, stop sponsoring something, or I can tweet at this politician to do this, but in this really sarcastic, demeaning way might never get seen and might not actually do anything. But if it sparks a couple of thousand retweets, then we feel pretty good about ourselves. And I think that was something I was reading and getting ready for this episode is that if if we're going to go all the way and call these folks trolls, which I hate to call therapists trolls, but I've seen some of it somewhere, you know, some of the places that I've seen that and it feels very troll-like. But if we look at trolls, they're more likely to get likes and comments and get reinforced for the behavior. And so we promote trolls by feeding them. Right. And it's also, and this goes back to a lot of my work around dealing with working with clients who have been bullied is as the bystanders, any one of us individually is really reticent to step out and stop things because then that puts a target on us, or so we think. And this is really the call to action of this episode is to really elevate all of us to stand up for good behaviors and to not necessarily feed the trolls or not necessarily to just jump to shame on you, yeah. but really to encourage the positive discourse and encourage the positivity on its merits, even if it's not fully complete, but because it does fit within what your, what your ideals might be. And I think that's a good point. Cause I think when we look at these Facebook groups, there's a lot of therapist Facebook groups, so I'm not speaking of anyone in particular, but when you look at these Facebook groups where someone posts something that's a little bit more personal, vulnerable, controversial, whatever it is, or seeking advice or those kinds of things. And it usually starts 
I guess it depends, but mostly it starts with something supportive, some sort of how are you feeling or can we private message or that kind of stuff. But at some point, and it could be comment one, but it could also be comment 20, somebody says something that points out this person's mistake or this person's bias or this person's whatever. And it immediately shifts where there's, there's, then it's like people start taking sides. And so there's certainly bystanders that stay bystanders and either scroll past or, or kind of just comment without saying anything to the quote unquote bully. But then there's also the folks that join in and it's not quite mob mentality, although I have seen some of those posts, but there's more and more people that kind of get into the shame on you. And the original poster said, blah, blah, blah. And it can get into this place where reaching out for support from the therapist community can feel very dangerous because if one post goes negative, you have, I mean, I, I've not actually looked at it, but I feel like you have almost like a 50-50 chance of it going into this really negative thing where you could really be a target. Getting a little bit personal here for a second, but I've noticed myself in some of these groups trying to stick entirely just to more down the middle, digestible, here's the facts or here's a very specific result yeah. and trying to stay out of it. And I'm all about, our brand is all about go out and be personal and put yourself out there. But it's partially just the mental effort and the mental load of, of going in and re-engaging all of this stuff. And, you know, I think that there is also, this isn't a, you know, you just need to go out and be the middle of the road compromiser in any of these conversations either. But we can do this without taking down the the person as as you know only looking at them as, as their personality flaws because they only wanted to type out six sentences rather than a, a novel in in a facebook post and i think there's a, a couple of different things to this because i think there's the responsibilities we have as original posters you know which is if you have six sentences and, and people are confused, you can clarify. You want to make sure you don't have identifying information. You want to make sure that that you've thought about what the consequences could be. But as commenters, I think we have a responsibility to think about is what we're responding helpful to anyone. And, and, and maybe that's just my moral stance. And I don't think we should just post weird stuff. And I, I do agree. And I think this is something where I've seen this with several people. John Davidson is one of the people I've seen the most that they'll post something just ridiculous and hilarious. And I absolutely love it. It just makes me laugh so hard. But and so I do think that's productive. It doesn't have to be like intellectually productive. It can be hilarious and productive or supportive or whatever. But I think when people just post the your bad stuff, I think I have a hard time knowing, do I address that directly? Do I ignore it? Because if I address it directly, I could be feeding the troll, so to speak. If I ignore it, am I tacitly saying it's okay? Am I being that silent bystander that's not helping the original poster? And so I feel like that it's a really hard thing. And I, I also know, and I think this is something for all of us as original posters and commenters to think about, is we are being seen by our peers and how we post and how we comment in these groups impacts our professional reputation. And so, yeah, I don't want to just, I don't want to stand idly by, but I also don't want to feed into this negativity by directly challenging a troll. So when it comes to engaging or not, this kind of leads to the question of 
what if I believe that I'm right and that person is wrong? And, you know, there's, there's uh, all of these groups are filled with very highly educated people. We're all graduate level degrees and more. Some of us have multiple graduate degrees, but this really comes down to Katie pointed out earlier when I chose the word righteous over right. But now I'm, I'm bringing it back to the people who don't separate that, that when there is the people who have this belief that I, I need to direct that. I need to make that direct because I am right. They are wrong. There is no room for interpretation. It's black and white. The text on my screen is black and white. This separates it out. I'm attacking an idea, not a person. We have to be able to step back and see the difference between when we're trying to act righteously and when we're trying to correct information. This is a big part of, you know, where when I am engaging in the groups more, I do ask people to, especially in legal or ethical questions, to hashtag cite the statute as just kind of a, if you're going to bring something in, show us where you're thinking about this coming from, because that either is going to support your argument or not, especially when we're not lawyers. Yeah. But it's kind of this, I had this secondhand, thirdhand conversation with somebody else who kind of let me to think onto this thing. And I've now adopted this as part of my central vision for how the world should operate that really makes it into this sadistic sort of, of action that's more about creating harm than it is about adding to positive discourse or, or steering a conversation into the way that allows for consensus to develop. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. I think one thing that I was reading that can kind of shed a little bit of light on this, because I think it's it's something where we're not in a discourse mindset. And I and I realized that when I was looking for through some of these articles and things that I was looking at before the episode. But really the reasons that people feel entitled to comment or or say things that really feel unfiltered is because we can almost feel like we're talking to ourselves. We're on our cell phone, you know, most of the time. We're by ourselves. And so the the way that we present some of these comments is more like we would be partially forming them in our heads. And I think the other aspect is we don't have any, any nonverbals, even emojis don't help that much. And we don't have any of the, the kind of instant feedback that we get from actually being in the room with another person. There was a study done and I'll see if I can figure out where it was cited and put the the different things I was reading in the show notes at MTSG podcast. But when someone's further away from us, we're more likely to be willing to kind of take them down or, or let negative things happen to them than the person right next to us. And so, so all of these things are happening online. We've got a lot of time with, to write these lengthy responses and, and really formulate our thoughts. And, and so it can be easy to forget that there's someone on the other end of what we what we comment on and it can feel like an opportunity to connect, but it's really about 
form like it's it's thinking out loud and it's not necessarily really connecting and so i guess for me and and one of the thoughts i have about this is if someone were to pop onto facebook in between clients and they see something they don't like and they decide they need to respond back but they have a client in 5 minutes so they quickly pop off a, off a response and then they come back and there's like 27 million replies why are they doing that why do they feel the need to do that and is it connection is it wanting to to be part of the conversation is it this righteousness to to make sure they're correcting people or or do they feel like they want to add something and and almost this competitive of like but i have a better idea or i can help you or whatever it is whatever the reason and i felt myself have this in my own mind where i read something and i had something snarky to say or i had a correction to make and i thought about it i was like I don't have the time to craft this. There, I don't really know that this is that helpful. Why don't I just keep scrolling? I think part of what draws professionals in our fields very much to this is at the end of the day, we spend so much academic and emotional time invested into our clients, into ourselves, whether it's self-care, whether it's the pursuit of new ideas or new techniques that we spend so much time in our thoughts and feelings that that's what becomes our identity. And we need to have that identity validated and done so in a way for us as the commenters, not necessarily in the greater scope of, of the connectiveness of our community. And we tend to lose our ability to take care of our community while we take care of ourselves. And so it becomes this competition of who's more right than mm -hmm. it is about really moving things forward. That, you know, one of the struggles that I have on, on the research end of, of psychology in, in our field is that we, we spend so much time pointing out others' wrongness that we don't go to actually looking for new ideas of what's right. And I think that's so important because when we're taking other people down, it really puts a lot of negativity out. It tears things down without building things up. And it really hinders creativity and innovation. It was interesting when I was looking at, at another article, I read so many things, you know, I don't know why it was, I felt very passionate about this, you know, and I also wanted to make sure I could be right and, you know, have good comments and comebacks and all that good stuff, you know, cause that's what we do. But when people are able to comment almost anonymously or to participate in a discussion anonymously, we are more likely to have the opportunity to be creative. And, and there's these bigger things that can happen because people are not afraid to speak out. But in that same vein, if all we're doing is taking people down, we're not actually getting to that possibility of what we could do in these spaces where we're a little bit more anonymous, we're a little bit more separated, where we could really expand the ideas. And I think there are places where that happens. I think the difficulty is people get so upset and they stop using kindness and civility. It gets to this place of correction and criticism and shame and judgment and I think that takes away our ability to really maximize this opportunity of having all of these voices and perspectives in these spaces where 
we would not have known each other at all 15 years ago. The fact that we have these online spaces where we can have these conversations with people halfway across the world is amazing. But when we get so upset and critical, we cut those conversations off. I think there are people who are able to navigate that, you know, and having the really hard conversations and really dig into it. And I think not all therapists are able to do that. But I think there are also folks that just get so negative that it they stop being listened to and that they stop be con- positively contributing to the conversation. I think the takeaway from this episode is really be mindful before you hit send, before you take things down of really acknowledging where what's driving your behavior, what's driving your commenting. And really, if you're listening at this point in the episode, I'm probably not concerned about you, the individual who's listening, but (laughs) thanks for hanging out with us the whole time and coming to the conclusions with us. But if you're coming to different conclusions than us, we'd like to hear that done in a supportive way. And you can do that on any of our social media. We'll include links to those in our show notes at mtsgpodcast.com, as well as a bunch of links and stuff that'll be in those show notes. But let us know. Join into our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Group. Let us know your stories of being criticized, of ways that you think that therapists can do a, a better job of this conversation. You know, so many of our episodes with our guests we talk about is the criticism that you're facing only from other professionals? Do clients actually care about this stuff? And almost all of the time, the answer is, yeah, it's just other therapists who are taking me down. Yep. So being part of this, being part of a positive community is what we support. Be positive and come and be positive with us in, in real life <laughs> at the Therapy Reimagined Conference on October 18th and 19th in Universal City. Uh, That's part of the Los Angeles area. Uh, Simple Practice is helping us out with CEs. Wherever you're coming from in the U.S., you will get CEs at the master's level from Simple Practice. They are doing a tremendous amount of work on this for us. We are very grateful for all of their efforts. And until next time. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code modern gets you two free months.